Shabbat Shalom, everybody. Baruch Hashem, Yahuwah. Bless the name of Yahuwah this pleasant, pleasant Sabbath day. Welcome all of you in the chat. Greet one another. Make those connections. And if you're watching this later, then remember to leave some comments down below. Give us some thumbs up and support this ministry, please, because so many people are coming in from all over the nations, and we are just so blessed to be a part of this great plan that Yahuwah has in this day and in this age. We are in Acts chapter 22 today. Let's dive straight into the first verse as we carry on through this. Hopefully for you, it is for me a transformative time through the word and through this world. Men, brothers and fathers, hear my defense now to you. And hearing that he spoke to them in the Hebrew dialect, they all the more kept silence and said, I am truly a man, a Jew born in Tarsus in Sicilia, yet brought up in the city at the feet of Gamaliel, taught according to the exactness of the Torah of our fathers, being a zealous one, a Yah-fearer, as you all are this day. And I persecuted the way as far as death, binding and delivering both men and women into prisons. As also the high priest bears witness to me and all the elderhood and receiving letters from them to the brothers, I traveled into Damascus indeed to lead those being bound to Jerusalem in order that they may be punished." Here we begin the account, not in a second-hand witness, but a first-hand witness of Shaul's transformation from one who was a witness to death, and now that witness to death has become a witness to life. And I think about my journey, and many of you may reflect back on yours too, on how we lived for so long as a witness, edar in the Hebrew, a witness to death all around us, within us. And now, look at that transformation that we can now be a witness to life to a dying world, and that begins the transformative journey. This is what we see with Rav Shaliak Shaul. I want to look at five points today. Number one, thriving amongst a society of accusations. How do we do that? Because this is the society in which we live, is it not? Four-letter words, six-letter words, anything to shut down the conversation by accusing you and accusing him and accusing her. That's the society in which we live. And when you engage in that and partake of that, you are literally circling the drain of the most carnal base nature that robs the soul. Number two, what happens when you're living amongst terrorists and assassins? Number three, seeing the kavod, the glory of Yahuwah, and being transformed by the light. Number four, what does it mean to be a devout man or woman of the Torah? Isn't that what we're called to be? 
And number five, continuing in the role of Stephen and Paul, the ministry of Edar, the ministry of witness. The Hebrew word there, Adar, Ein Dalet Chay. Before I go into the first point, let's go back a chapter to the 37th verse of chapter 21, and I'll read that for you. And as Paul was led into the Anatonia Fortress, now the Anatonia Fortress, of course, today, they tell you is the Temple Mount. Well, that's where the temple was built, and the the western wall, uh, known today as the Wailing Wall, the Kotel, well, that's the foundation of the temple. No, actually, it's not. It's the foundation of a Roman fortress, the very fortress of which Paul was being led into right here in the 37th verse of chapter 21. Because the true temple was about another 900 feet further south down in the city of David. You see, all of this political fighting and all of this tension and arguments is based upon falsehood. It's put out, again, as smoke and mirrors to deceive people into this political activism of Zionism and Palestinian hate and all of those types of things. But the reality of it is that Paul was led into the Anatonia fortress. And he said unto the chief captain, May I ask unto you, Who said, Can't you speak Greek? And he said unto him, Are you not that Egyptian? Which before these days made us an uproar and led us out into the wilderness, 4,000 men that were terrorists, assassins, murderers. But Paul said, I am a man which am a Jew of Tarsus, a city in Sicilia, a citizen of no mean city, and I beseech thee, suffer me to speak unto the people. And when he had given him license, Shaul stood on the stairs and beckoned with the hand unto the people. And when there was made a great silence, he spake unto them in the Hebrew tongue. How do we live? Today, how can we thrive, not just survive, but thrive amongst an accusatory society? How can we thrive amongst an accusatory society? We have to learn to pivot and shift. Have you ever been judged guilty before the proceedings had ever even begun? Well, Paul has, right here. He partakes in the sufferings of Yahushua. Luke's message to us right here is that if you happen to live in such a society as that, which I believe we do, then don't be surprised by the depth of hatred that you'll face from a world of unbelievers or those that have a form of godliness, yet deny its power. They're not true believers. They're just religious fanatics, and they're not truly converted, and they will hate you without a cause, because we live in a society full of four, five, and six 
letter accusations. When Paul asks permission right here to speak, the commander is really quite surprised that he can speak Greek, isn't he? You wouldn't expect someone from the Jewish rabble to do so, let alone speak it as well as we know. But Paul does. Because right here he's showing that he is learned, not only in the Torah, but he understands the customs of the magistrates. He understands how to navigate that system, yet not engage fully in it. He knows that if he does, there's a trap. So he stands upon his square. And if you can still stand, then you must stand. Because it's all about trying to get you to move into their Babylonian system, which is a system of what? Accusations. But Paul is beyond and above that. Number two, terrorists and assassins. He begins to be suspicious. Well, hang on a minute. Are you this Egyptian guy, this insurrectionist, who led 4,000 terrorists into the wilderness? This is what he's thinking. Because if he is, this is going to be really great for his career, is it not? The captain of the guard, he's just captured this Egyptian insurrectionist. The term terrorist here is assassins, often translated in your Bibles, but it's really the Greek word sekoroi, meaning a dagger man. A dagger man, meaning that short dagger that was often concealed. We think of Judas Iscariot, and many people really think that that translation, Judas Iscariot, means that Judas was an inhabitant of Kerioth. Iscarioth. Judas Iscarioth. Oh, he, he came from the village of Kerioth. That's how modern translators would translate his name. But Judas was actually not necessarily from the village of Kerioth, but he was a Sekaroi. Judas Isekaroi, a dagger man, an assassin. He was a zealot, way more fitting to the context of his life. Judas was a zealot hoping for revolution. How many of you in the past year have been zealots hoping for revolution? Most probably 50% of the population in the United States. Full expectancy of that, especially after the election results. We can see here with Judas... He thought that, well, hang on a minute, if I force Yahusha's hand, if I sell him out to the authorities, then, then he'll actually rise up and become that military leader. If I push him, then he'll become that military leader and defeat the Romans. You see, so what was the problem? Judas was reading the prophecies of the Bible and he was interpreting them too carnally. And we all have to watch for that. I mean, just, just go back and, and look at my Revelation series. And you can witness me struggle with trying to balance the natural world with the spiritual and prophetic each and every week. Because I taught Revelation during the pandemic, right? 
But we need ultimately not the culture to teach us, but the Ruach to teach us. Lest we become too carnal in our interpretation of the scripture and we let fear and our own expectations guide us. There's a struggle. Because we could end up very disappointed. And I know a lot of you have ended up very, very disappointed this year. And many have become very disillusioned within the society that we live. But we're called to transform out of the world. To keep the faith. No matter what happens politically, militarily, economically. That was Judas's downfall. He was a zealot. He was a dagger man. But, again, he was too carnal in his interpretation of the prophecies. Now, Josephus speaks to us through the Jewish war, particularly um, two, um, chapter 2.261, and he informs us of a man, a sicary, who led 30,000 people in rebellion. He led them and they fled into the wilderness. Josephus tells us about that in history. And he had this prophecy that the walls of Jerusalem, that they were going to fall down. They were going to collapse. And then these 30,000 people, they were going to enter into Jerusalem. They were going to defeat the Romans. And they were going to set up messianic rule. Well, there was a bunch of people that were kind of following a modern version of this Egyptian on January 6th, wasn't there? The whole Q shaman movement, right? And they really believed, they really believed that there was going to be some kind of revolution if they got to the capital, allegedly. And now this has all come a part of our cultural narrative to bring more division, to bring more confusion. You've got political prisoners, if you will. And this is all being amped up by who? The Romans, if you will, the Roman system, the whole system. And we have to be careful not to get sucked into it because we'll end up like a Judas. We'll carnalize the scriptures rather than allowing the scriptures to transform our lives. And this is a personal struggle, and I know not only for me, but for many of you out there. And we have to let the Ruach guide us. Not the culture. Not the culture. Not fear, uncertainty, and doubt. We can't let those things drive us. Now, the Tribune hoped that Paul was this man. Because, again, like I said, this would really help his career. It would really help his career with his capture, wouldn't it? Now, let's look at chapter 22 and the sixth verse. Now, Paul's testimony continues. This is first-hand account. In chapter 9, it was a second-hand account, but right now we're getting first-hand witness testimony. And it happened to me, traveling and drawing near to Damascus, suddenly about midday, there was this great light out of the Shamaim heavens, and it shone all around me. And I fell to the ground, and I heard the voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And I answered, well, who are you, master? And he said to me, I am Yahushua HaNazareth. Why do you persecute me? The very one whom you've been persecuting, it is I. 
And they who were with me indeed saw the light and were afraid, but they did not hear the voice of him who spoke to me. And I said, well, what shall I do, master? And the master said to me, get up, arise, go to, into Damascus, and there it shall be told to you all things which are appointed for you to do. You and I have one life, and we have things that are appointed by the Father in heaven for us to do. No matter what happens in this world, will we stay the course? Will we stand and allow those appointments to happen? Will you? Will I? That's the question. They are divine appointments. They are golden connections that await us even in the midst of accusations, even in the midst of trials. There is blessings to be found everywhere if we can stay on the course of divine appointments. My whole life has been like that ever since I came to know the Savior. This is what we are called to do. And he said unto him in the, in the 22nd chapter and the 11th verse, And I did not see because of the kavod, the glory of that light. The Hebrew word therefore glory would be kavod. And being led by the hand of those who were with me, I came into Damascus. The third point I want to bring up here is seeing the glory of Yahweh. What does that mean? Seeing the kavod of Yahweh and then being transformed, being transformed in and by that very light. Like I said, in chapter 9, we had a third-person narrative of this very scene. But here we see the first-person testimony of Rab Shaliak Shaul himself. And it is powerful because Shaul's emphasis is on the kavod, the glory of Yahweh, his divine presence, how it just illuminate, illuminated and impacted his life. And that illumination illuminated the sinful state. And that's what happened with me. That illumination, that presence of the Master, illuminated the sinful state within me. It began then to open up and illuminate a path that was ordained before he knew me in the womb, just as he said to the prophet Jeremiah, that would then show me how to walk. It really is that path is where his dwelling is, his shakan, his shakan. The Hebrew word there, shakan, it's spelled shin, kaf, nun, so feet. But we have to be very careful because there's an, another kind of illumination out there, the illuminati and this whole weird new age spirituality that creeps in. So I want to juxtapose right now the truth, the shakan, or the kavod, the illuminating glory of Yahuwah, and the falsehood, or the kundalini occult spirit, called the shekinah, often pronounced the shekinah. 
How many of you have, have been involved in ministries or gone to a church that's maybe called Shekinah Fellowship or the Shekinah Glory or, oh, the Shekinah Glory came upon. I mean, this, this has been thrown around in the church for decades. You will not find the word Shekinah anywhere in your Bible. It is a non-biblical term. So how, why is everybody using it? Why are you naming your ministry Shekinah glory or this, Shekinah that, and Shekinah this, all oh, the Shekinah? I fell for it because it was all a part of Calvary Chapel as well. The word Shekinah isn't even in the Bible, and it is heavily associated with the dark light, Illuminati, and the Kundalini spirit. The Divine Mother, Shakti, Shiva, or Prana, whatever form she takes, that life force energy, and people get deceived. This is not, the Shekinah is not the Shakan, the dwelling place of Yahweh. It's the dwelling place of a false, godless spirit of deception. It's the false light. It's what the occult is all chasing. The, and it's New Age. It's New Age and it's infiltrated the church from Bethel to Babylon, here into the streets of Salem and Portland, often through Pharmacaea and the New Age testament of a false Christ. I see this strange spirit manifest on the streets, the city streets, often through street preachers, often through workers at missions and all of these so-called New Age Christian help ministries on the streets, and they infiltrate this, this Shekinah spirit into the homeless community where there's a ton of mental illness, and then they spiritualize that, and you end up with this really, really strange thing happening that many people think, oh, this is, this is Christianity. This, no, this is new age occultism that is affecting the homeless society and is being perpetrated by false ministers of a false gospel on the city streets from San Francisco to Salem to Portland all over, and it is an epidemic right now of full street preachers out there because they're under this Bethel spirit of the Shekinah, and it is nothing more than a Kundalini spirit of Shiva, Shakti, and Prana, and it's all about enlightenment. It's a cult. It is a New Age Testament. It is not the New Testament. It is a New Age Testament. Kundalini is an unclean spirit. And I talk to these people on the streets, and there are unclean spirits. And often with these ministers, street ministers, there is an unclean spirit associated. And I'm like, this is, this is not the scripture that I read and the Heavenly Father that I follow. There, there is a different, different spirit, an unclean spirit. It has a very weird effect on people who've been contaminated by it. And some people get deceived because some of the effects, they seem positive with this kundalini spirit. They seem positive. 
But we got to remember it's a demonic Illuminati force out there, and it's used by Satan to further his kingdom of death and destruction in people. The Kundalini spirit may give people under its influence a sense of power, a sense of energy, a Bohemian Grove experience. Some people may even find the increased energy experience caused by this spirit to be, oh, divine and enjoyable. Beware of the deception. It's also been described by people that I've seen having an electrical tingle that runs up and down their, their hands and through and down their spine. Some people say, well, it enables me to see into the third eye. The spiritual realm opens up unto me. I've got this higher level of awareness and knowledge. It's a secret, special, special knowledge. Well, that sounds to me very counterfeit to me. Because aren't we supposed to do our deeds in the light? It's believed to cause a so-called higher evolution level, an improvement in karma, which is associated with Hinduism and reincarnation. Well, I've been able to astral travel. I'm not talking about me. These are some of the people that are associated with this and they believe it's the Holy Spirit. And this is when your spirit leaves your body. That, that's not a good thing. With full consciousness, that's not a good thing. And travels outside of your body. The spirit is connected with the soul and the body with the silver cord. You try and cut that and you're into an astral state of travel that's an occult practice that is made by demonic forces. And people are, are, are wanting to pursue this. Kundalini works together with the demons of witchcraft and together they enable spiritual power and benefits on the side of darkness. This is a new age testament. And people that are ungrounded and not pressing into the Holy Spirit, the Ruach HaKodesh, are believing that this is the faith. It's not. It is a form of godliness and it's denying the true power of the Ruach HaKodesh. It is an unclean spirit, the spirit of Shekinah, Shekinah. It's Kundalini. It enables its victim to exercise spiritual control over his or her environment. There's this whole unity with Mother Earth, with the Mother Spirit, Oh, now I've got this collective awareness. It's believed by those worshipping it that Kundalini can also provide longer physical life. Full Kundalini activation brings about this spiritual illumination or enlightenment. This means that the contaminated person by that unclean spirit believes he or she has a God status and that they can attain a God status and even represent the Shiva. We are all gods. There's false signs. There's false wonders that are brought about by this Kundalini spirit. False healings. False tongues. False prophecies. False miracles. And it's believed, especially by people in the Eastern religions, that Kundalini brings about Nirvana, Nirvana, or Utopia, which of course is S.A. Tan's counterfeit of heaven.
And we as believers, we know that this is an illusion, that there is only one heaven and one hell. And we need to be alert in this New Age Testament world because so many people are not being taught the truth of the Scriptures and they do not have the Ruach HaKodesh to guide them. So be aware. Which brings me to my fourth point. What does it mean to be devout as a man or woman of the Torah? For me, the truth is, as the light of Yahuwah revealed the darkness of the sin in my life, it then began to remove that sin, and it began to move me into the light of his glory. And this is what Paul spoke to the Corinthians about in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. The light of the good news, the gospel that should display the glory of Moshiach. That's what should happen. It's the blindness of the God of this age that is dispelled when you get that new relationship with Yahushua. Right? It's dispelled. The darkness is dispelled by the truth of the light of Yahushua. Look at the 22nd chapter and the 12th verse. And one Ananias, a devout man according to the Torah, testified by all the Jews who lived there. That's the witness. That's the testimony that we all should have, to be devout and that we should take the relationship into a guarded life. Once we come into that relationship with Mashiach, we should take that relationship into a guarded life. Isn't that what it means to be a devout man or woman of the Torah? Meaning, you stand on your square. And really, what is a square? It's just a series of four rights, isn't it? And your rights, they are given unto you by Yahuwah, but only if you stand in your square, which is within his Torah, which is a series of rights. And if you step outside of that square, then you're in the world of the New Age Illuminati, and they will devour you. So just stand. And if you can still stand, stand within the four rights, which is your square. Stand still. And if you can still stand, stand. And don't move. Don't be shifted and swayed by the opinions of others. Don't be shifted and swayed by the shifting sands of the world. Just as it is written that you'll be tossed to and fro, as James said. Like a boat without a... Just stand. No matter what happens, that's the way to live. And the 13th verse, it is written... Coming to me and standing by, said to me, Brother Shaul, look up. And the same hour I looked unto him. And he said, The Elohim of our fathers has chosen you to know his will and to see the just one. And to hear the voice out of his mouth. For you shall be his edah, his witness to all men of what you have seen and what you have heard. And now, what do you intend? 
Arise, get up, be mickford, be immersed, and wash away your sins and call upon the name of the sovereign master. And it happened to me, I, returning to Jerusalem and praying in the temple, I became, as it were, in an ecstasy. And I saw him say to me, hurry and go quickly out of Jerusalem, for they will not receive your testimony concerning me. This world will not receive your testimony. So why bother testifying? It's all part of their occult. Stand on your square and see the glory of Yahweh pivot and shift in your life because outside of the square is accusations is lies it's conjecture it it matters not let the world play its own game but we continue to move on for our divine appointments and divine calling and golden connections everywhere. Everywhere. If we have the eyes to see and the ears to hear, even Paul's connection with Stephen was a golden connection. He didn't realize it at the very time. Look at the 18th verse. And I saw to him say to me, hurry and go quickly out of Jerusalem, for they will not receive your testimony concerning me. And I said, Master, they know that I was imprisoning and beating those who believed on you throughout the synagogues. And when the blood of your martyr Stephen, Sophania, was poured out, I was also standing by and consenting to his death. Now, many commentators say that he was the, the individual there that was holding the garments so that they could pick up the stones and stone him. Look at this, because this is powerful. My fifth point, how do we continue in the role of Stephen and Paul? Because that is the role of the edar, the witness. That's what our life is to be, roles of witnesses. All of you out there, we are to be in the roles, in the records of the witnesses, whether it be the 144,000, it's the roles of the Edar. It's the ministry of witness. Even Paul's past is a witness, is it not? He's using his past as a witness. No matter what you've done, that I've done, if we are in Mashiach, then even our past can be a witness. You see, this world says that, no, your sins are too big that your mistakes that you made, that the arguments that you had, that the, the things that you, that you can't correct that. That's a lie. That's a lie. There is nothing that cannot be corrected in the faith. If we stand upon the square that Yahushua has ordained for us because he knew us before we were in our mother's womb. There is nothing, but we must repent of our sins. And then we must demonstrate a changed behavior and manifest that witness. Then the mistakes will witness to the change. 
And then you will see that you will be standing in honor as this world is full of dishonor and accusations, lies, and heresy. Paul's past is witness to his present, Edah. His past persecutions, his past sins witness Edah to his present transformed life. And there's the hope for you and me today, no matter what happens in society. Just as Stephen was a witness to Paul's sins leading unto death, so Paul, in his present role, is a continuing witness to where Stephen transitioned off into eternity. From witness to martyr, from witness to martyr. Isn't that what Stephen's transition was? Stephen was a witness and then he was transitioned by Paul to become a martyr. And now, Paul finds himself in Stephen's very shoes. On Stephen's very path, Paul is now going to be transitioned off from witness, which they will not receive, to martyr. And Stephen gets to witness Paul do this very thing. The very journey, this is, this is so profound to me, the very journey that Stephen was on that culminated with Paul is now the very witness to martyr journey that Paul finds his feet set upon. My father was a Christian and a devout man, and his feet were set on a path back in the, the, the 50s and the 60s. He had a family and everything. But he chose to abandon his family, to commit adultery, to deny the faith, become a mason, and set his feet on a different path. And my mother looks at the path that I've chosen, and she knows, because my whole family is on a different path. But I chose the path that my father chose to leave. And now I get to see my children walk in the path of the master. You see, there is always opportunity for redemption, generationally. If we come into the transformation, kavod, glory of Yahweh. But beware, because it is written, Yahweh, Yahweh Elohim, merciful, gracious, and long-suffering, abounding in goodness and truth, who extends mercy to thousands, forgiver of iniquity, transgression, and sin, but who by no means clears the guilty and visits the sins of the fathers to the children's children to the third and fourth generation. Pray for Yahweh's mercy, Rachamin, upon us all, that we will set our feet upon the right path as Paul 
set his feet upon the right path by seeing the kavod, the glory of Yahweh. That there is nothing too grand, no sin too big, no mistake that you have made. I've made some major mistakes. And people have said to me, oh, you know, oh, that, you've made such a big mistake. I'll see if I can get a favor for it. I'm like, I don't want favors. That's not right. Well, I think I can maybe get a favor. I don't want any favors. I want justice to be administered justly. I do not want favors. I want the truth to prevail because the truth will set you free from everything. Let the world be the world and let Yahuwah rule in the life of the saints. We have to be careful not to become like Judas. To become so affected by this world around us that we misread the prophecies. And you can see me vacillating between that struggle during the Revelation series. And now Yahweh is bringing me into a, a more mature stance. And I do not want people to get overwhelmed with the world. Because this world is really following a new age testament of Illuminati illumination. The Kundalini spirit of Shiva, Prana, and it's all about enlightenment but it is a false enlightenment. It is a godless, unclean spirit, and it is everywhere. Let's finish up about being zealots for the Torah. The word there is zelotai, zelotai. Remember Yaakov, James, and his followers described in Acts 21 verse 20 as zelotai, zealots for the Torah. We are to be zealots. Yahushua was a zealot. But what was he zealous for? Yahushua was charged with sedition, if you think about it. It was sedition against the very Roman government in Judea. And it's attested to in the four Gospels. You see it everywhere. But what are the connections that we see from Yahushua to Paul to the other zealots? You see, Judas... The Galilean history tell us he was the founder of what became known as the Zealot Movement, which is what Josephus and the Book of Acts call the Sicari, the Daggermen, the Assassins. When Yahushua died, he was crucified between two men. These were probably Jewish resistance fighters who challenged Rome's sovereignty over Israel. If these guys were around today, they'd be following the Q movement. They'd have most probably got caught up in the January 6th migration, if we can call it that, into the capital. Barabbas, he was one of the mob. He was a patriot. He was a fighter. Whereas Yahushua had advised the people, oh, pay tribute to Rome. Yet Yahushua took the precaution of seeing that his disciples were armed, didn't he? 
He said, well, before you go to Gethsemane, you know, you better arm up. So Yahushua had to withdraw from the people during his Galilean ministry, perceiving that the people were about to do what? Take him by force. They were going to reread the prophecies in their carnality and take him by force. We have to be careful not to fall into that trap in this pandemic world. It's too easy to get politically activated. And then that political activation allows us to misread the scripture. Because we become zealous, but it's a misplaced zealotry. And then if that kundalini spirit comes in, oh my goodness. And many of you have succumbed to it. Not intentionally, but it is the spirit of the world. And it's unclean. It is unclean. It is tamay in the Hebrew. Unclean. Yahushua was preaching the coming of the kingdom of Yahuwah, which, of course, you know, was incitement to revolt in the eyes of the mob, the Romans. But zealotry, it had an accepted currency at the time of Yahushua. And Sha'ul, remember the Cananean? Well, that's the original native name for which the zealots was recognized at a Greek alternative. Remember Simon the Cananean? Within Yahushua's core group, there would have been people that were guerrilla fighters. And they thought, well, maybe he was going to be the one that was going to really defeat the Romans. Even the title given to James and John, the sons of Zebedee, suggests a reputation, which, of course, in Luke chapter 9, verse 51, they're like, let's just bring down thunderbolts and lightning and fire. Let's just burn everything up. Well, we've been seeing that kind of zealotry, a misplaced New Age testament of zealotry in Portland, Oregon, right? Just burn. It's a cult. If you look at the mugshots of these people, they are literally Satanists. That's where it leads to Kundalini spirit of deception with these people. The zealots were connected to a man who was reputed as being a wonder worker. Josephus describes that they were signs pretending divine intervention. And they misread the signs. And thousands of people fled into the wilderness. Well, we have to be careful not to misread the signs of Revelation 12. Will there be a time to flee into the wilderness? Will there be what's called a greater exodus? Well, yes, the scripture says so. But they were thinking that then, back then. And here we are, over 2,000 years later, with that same zealotry and expectation. We use the very same language, the greater exodus, or the woman fleeing into the wilderness. The very same language, unbeknown to us, as the zealot followers of Yahushua were using. Yes, we're on the right path, but we cannot be affected by Rome around us. Rome on the Potomac. Because it's new age. 
It's a cult. We have to have biblical expectations, but we have to have it by the indwelling of a tahor, the one and only clean Holy Spirit, Ruach HaKodesh, as opposed to a tameh, unclean, kundalini, new age spirit of Shiva and all of this falsehood that I see with many people succumbing to it. When Yahushua said, take up your cross and follow me, I know it says staros, take up your stake. Let's use the traditional King Jimmy, take up your cross and follow me. What was he really doing? He was declaring a grim challenge that every zealot had to face for himself because the cross was a symbol of zealot sacrifice before it was later transformed in 325 of the, of the common era to the Christian symbol of salvation. What a strange symbol, really, when we have the symbol of our salvation should, of course, be the menorah, the seven branch, with the center pillar being, of course, the light of the world, Yahushua himself, that lights up the darkness. That's the true illumination, the kavod, the glory, the shakan, the dwelling place of Yahuwah is always with Yahushua. So we have to face whatever today. Even if it's a grim challenge, we have to face it standing in our square, which means being zealous for Torah, because we've been transformed by the kavod, the glory of Yahweh, that we can stand. And if you can still stand, stand. And remember, a square is just a series of rights. And your rights aren't given to you by government and men. They are given unto you by your Creator. The right to breathe, to walk on the land, and to be free. Free, free, free. Free to live a transformed life in the midst of revolution and sacrifices. And there's going to be revolution and sacrifices all around us. But we need to stand upon our square so that we can manifest his glory to a world that is going to be deceived by an unclean spirit of stargazers, falsehood, lies, accusations, and Illuminati globalist deception. These people literally are worshippers of Satan. And they masquerade around as what? The politarchs of our day. There is nothing new under the sun. We must transcend this world by walking in the glory, the kavod of Yahweh. Just as Paul was a witness to Stephen's death, Stephen is a witness to Paul's life. It's pretty powerful stuff, isn't it? All right, let's see what you guys have got to say in the chat. Hit me up, hit me up with a red line in the chat. I might need to see if I've got my glasses. Yes, it's a good day. 
What a blessed Sabbath. Oh, my apologies to all of you on Shabbat Fellowship this morning. I was scheduled to be on Shabbat Fellowship, but I totally forgot. I totally forgot. I slept in. I was, it's such a beautiful day today. I was out on the front porch with my children, and then all of a sudden I was like, oh my goodness. This was like 11.30 or 12 when I realized it. All right. Let's see. If you want me to grab a chat, then please help me see you with a red line, if you guys know how to do that. Okay, refresh the screen. Shazi Kelner, Shabbat Shalom, Shazi Kelner. To quote you, Matthew, as believers, we must slay the giant within. Overcome the alien and stranger within thyself. Ego, the carnal mind, bane betwixt, reaching peniel. Blessings to you. She's, of course, referring. I did a teaching called Bane Betwixt. I think it's Sukkot. Um, the year before last, and yes, yes, exactly. Yes, sorry there, I did, I missed you this morning too. Sorry there, everybody. Wow. I saw it written, Mary Trotter says, if you can't stand any longer, kneel. I like that, I like that. <laughs> Praise be. Chris forgives me for forgetting this morning. Thank you. And Sea Blue, excellent teaching. Yah bless. Thank you. Baruch Hashem, Yahuwah. We got people from all over. Diesel Grandpa, Shabbat Shalom up there in Snohomish. He says, the other day I was in Home Depot my sweet Lord was playing, and there was actually a Harry Krishna in the store. <laughs> well, as long as you weren't up in Ace Hardware, I guess if you go to Ace Hardware up in Washington, that um, you get beaten up with bats. So, yeah, I guess Ace Hardware, people like to assault you if you go there. Man, what a crazy, crazy company to employ such insane people and then and then give them bats to beat up the general public wow that's only ace hardware i guess in washington because they've all been partaking of some major major propaganda up there good grief all right all right what's happening people Mark Shroy, Matthew, brother, Shabbat Shalom. Did you get my email about the Russians cloning the Scythian warriors? I didn't, I, don't, I didn't get that email. I'll have to check my emails. I get so many. Um, I'll have to go. I'll have to go back into that inbox there. <laughs> Tanya Dean, she's got lots of love hearts here. And then she says, a beard? I'd like to, how do you make a red line? Sorry. <laughs> well, it's red and I see it. So, you know, put up whatever you want to say, Tanya, because those red hearts are, are, are drawn my attention.
Oh, well, here we go. James Christie. Shabbat Shalom, James. How are you, brother? From my exiting of the new sham religion, the ultimate key to destroying that doctrine is revealing of the firmament and exposing NASA. Well, thank you, James Christie. And I believe, uh, yeah, James, I've spoken with James on, um, on Shabbat Fellowship. And uh, James has got an amazing testimony of coming out of Egyptology and all kinds of New Age religion and coming into the fullness of all 12 tribes scattered abroad, coming home together. And yeah, I, I think that's a very, very good point, James. Hit us up with another few. Uh, um, ex expand upon that thought, please. Expand upon that thought because you are on the right trajectory, as we should we could say. Wow. Um, Christoph Jodius. Christoph Jodius. So it's a long, it's a long name. It's all kind of compacted together. So in Hebrew, was there Y or J? I hear that the correct name is Yehovah. Um, yeah, the letter J was invented in 1532. So they've only been calling him Jesus since a little bit after that. But for, for you know, 1500 years, it was Iosus, right? Um, in the Greek. In the church. It's very recent. And the Vav is really a Wa. So is it Yehovah? No, really, that's Babylonian, the Vav. It was in, in the ancient Hebrews more of a Wa, a Wa, a wa sound. So Yehovah, Yehovah, however you, you know, put the inflection on that. But it's no, not a J, it's a Y. And then I don't believe it's a v v v vav sound. It's more of a wa wa. But you know, you guys discuss it, discuss it. Mm -mm -mm. Yes, thank you, Craft Case Nate. To quote a good book. We don't follow the good way because we will win. We follow it because it is the right thing to do. Exactly. Mary Trotter, I never knew I used to pray for Shekinah glory. Yahweh, forgive me. I learned it from Sid Roth, which I no longer listen to again. Well, you know, again, that's what I'm talking about infiltration and some very strange behaviors with um, associated with that ministry just like Bethel I did too I think if you go back about five years you'll hear me saying Shekinah because I believed it too but it's not in the Bible the closest you could get but it's really not close is Shachan the Hebrew for dwelling but his glory is Kavod so why would we use a non-biblical term? We know that with these non-biblical terms, that they have their root in, of course, mystery Babylon. It all comes back to the occult that Daniel was dealing with in Babylon that then got exported into New Age religion. And again, Judaism is founded in that mystery religion. 
And then Christianity adopts it because it's got all of the mystery religions of Rome and Greece, Greco-Roman, surrounding it. Mm -hmm -hmm. And there we go. Brian Mayer says, Sid Roth, another Masonic Khazar deceiver. Thomas Hughes, at James Christie, we all came from somewhere, brother. I was in Kabbalah and a cult before I was rescued. Yah is good to us. We were there to help those who still are. That's exactly. We can go back and pluck them out, show them the truth. Emissary of Elohim, Shabbat Shalom. James Christie, every doctrine that comes from New Age religion uses... <laughs> Every doctrine that comes from New Age religion uses planet life forms such as Pladenians and Anukai. Oh, man, I'm having a hard time. You see, what happens? What happens? Okay, you have to bear with me, people out there. What happens when you're from England and you never had these words when you were a boy in England, but now you're in America and you hear Americans say it, but you still are got that English brain pattern, but they're very unfamiliar. That's what happens. I totally do a hack job on it because I don't know what it sounds like in my natural dialect, but I really can't do an American accent, of course, unless I do my southern one, which is fabulous. I'm not going to do it right now. Ah. <sighs> Oh, James P. says, I got kicked off a, dis a Discord BC. I questioned the vax and gave a couple of facts and spoke against the Torah observant community and was seeking fellowship. Wow. I don't know what that's about. But, yeah, some people just do not have um, any tolerance for discussion. Do they? Yes, brethren, please send your prayer requests to prayergathering at TorahToTheTribes.com and thank you all for your prayers. Thank you so much. Um, summer, Shabbat Shalom, Summer, Revelation 6-2, discusses the bow, toxon in the Greek, and the crown, corona in the Latin, the spike glycoprotein has a resemblance to a botoxon and it is releasing cytotoxin. See, make the connections, make the connections. Shabbat Louisiana Libby Tube. Baruch Hashem Yahuwah. And Giant Killer up there in the dinosaur suit in Snohomish County says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of Yah, knowing that your toil is not in vain. First Corinthians, of course, the glory of 15, chapter 15, verse 58. Now, Little Tree is all caps in us. 
all made up from the devil's attempt to wipe out remembrance of Yahuwah and Yahushua HaMashiach. Ruach HaKodesh. We read in scripture, Yahuwah never changes, neither did his name. Of course it didn't. Cairo Alexander is trying to egg me on for the my southern accent. <laughs> Mark Shroy is... Come on, Matthew, just a little southern accent. All right, all right. see? T temptation. I'm going to just read some scripture for you. I'll read to you from Acts chapter 21, verse 15. And after those days, we packed up and went up to Jerusalem. Also, some of them disciples from Caesarea... They went up with us, brought some of them a certain mason <laughs> from Cyprus. Yep, there was some big old catfish swimming in, swimming in the river. That's about all you're getting from me, see? You tempt me and test me into folly. Yes. How embarrassing. Well, here we go. Sikara, Sikari, Sikari Yahuwah. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know if I understand what you're saying. I won't read it just because I don't want to. I don't understand that. I'll maybe come back. Kevin Niebling, of course. Kevin Niebling has heard me sing in a southern accent, right, Kevin? Because we were singing some Johnny Cash by the fire just a few weeks ago, and me and Kevin Niebling just started having a, a <laughs> bouncing back and forth. And I think a rooster was involved in it, and I'm, yeah, 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 it was, yeah. Be careful that nobody has a video camera around when that. Yeah, well, Chris De La Rosa, my wife is honestly staring at Matthew, wanting him to stop. Stop from the from the southern accent. I'm sure. Yes. Sorry, sorry, Chris. Chris's wife there. Sorry. Yes. Sounds more like a hillbilly. Well, yes, that's true. That's true. That's true. It did, didn't it? Craft case nay. I, I think I could do it without the hillbilly. That was a North Georgia accent, says John Norton. <laughs> Finest frog hair. All right, guys. Baruch Hashem Yahuwah. No news? Any more news? Do we have any more news from the saints scattered abroad? I know we've got you all over the world, and what a blessing what a blessing. What a blessing. Keep the faith. Stay strong. Stay strong in the faith. And let's see if we have anything else. Hannah Niebling, I saw the rooster thing on video. The rooster thing, yeah. That was funny. That was funny, wasn't it? Johnny Cash rocks. You know who I was listening to last night that I was just... It, this is actually the, one of the, the, the first record 
that um, I ever listened to. When I was a little boy, I was about seven years old, and my, my, my father bought me a record player. And he bought me a, a record, obviously, to go on the record player. And it was by Jim Reeves. Now, I forget, what was the song, Moshe, that we were playing last night? I've got to find it and tell you guys what it was. Because it was literally, and I, I memorized that song when I was about seven years old. And I was, of course, I grew up in a secular household. But that song, it was as if Yahusha was singing to me personally about opening up my heart and coming into him and that he was waiting for me. That was the first record that I ever, ever... Let me see if I can find it on my phone. I'm not sing it to you. But anyway, chat amongst yourselves. I'll tell you. I'll see if I can find it. You guys should listen to it because it is, a, I think, a fabulous song. And... You find this bad boy for you here. <coughs> and you can listen to it in your own time. Where is it? Oh, yes. I think it's called... Welcome to my world. Welcome to my world. I believe that was the song. Was that what it was? Yes. Okay. It's part of my testimony. Seriously. Think about this. First record I ever listened to. It was my own record. Welcome to my world by Jim Reeves. And I was like seven years old. And up in my bedroom, and I had that, I mean, I sung it all the time. And then, I've lived this whole lost, wicked world, and wicked life. And then last night, I listened to that song with my family, out on my front porch, and it broke me. Because contained within that song is my testimony of he foreknew me in the womb. He has a plan and a purpose for all of us in him. Just go listen to that, and maybe some of you may be part of your testimony too. But yeah, we got off on a sidetrack, but I'm telling you, Jim Reeves, there's some good stuff. Oh, well, here we go. Look, now see, we're on a, we're, now we're on a rabbit trail. Judy Hughes, Jim Reeves, was one of my mum's favorites. Welcome to my world. I tell you, Kevin Niebling... Why don't you practice that one next time you're, you and I are together around the fire. We will sing it together. And you know what? Kevin Niebling will take up that challenge. Yes, well, you, there we go. At Shiloh, welcome to my world. Won't you come on in? Oh, it's powerful. It's powerful. Mm-mm-mm-mm. All right, Baruch Hashem Yahuwah. Let's see what else you got.
Well, a lot of chat, a lot of chat, a lot of chat. You guys will have to go back and read the chat yourself. There's too much here. Ah, I could just keep on going, though. It's quite interesting. Stop, stop. Enough's enough, right? I could be here all afternoon. Baruch Hashem Yahweh, bless you all. And remember, keep the faith. Stay strong. And you can connect with one another six days a week at TorahToTheTribes.com forward slash connect. We've got all of the Zoom platforms, including Shabbat Fellowship, which I forgot to show up to today. Sorry about that. We've got the prayer group tomorrow. And if ever you have prayer requests that we all do, then please send them in because those ladies and gentlemen on that group are prayer warriors. And you'll see how prayer can impact and change your life. Be transformed Let's keep on walking in the kavod, the shakan, the glory and dwelling place of Yahweh. Yahweh bless you and keep you. May Yahweh's face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May Yahweh lift up his countenance upon you and grant you shalom. In the name of the Sar Shalom, Prince of Peace, Yahusha HaMashiach. Shabbat Shalom. <laughs>